Good morning, Austin and surrounding areas and planet Earth. This is your girl, Nikki Wooding, and my man, Giannis Banks, and we together are the grapevine. It's been a great week. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm doing fine. It's been a, yeah, this week's been hectic. Yeah? It's been hectic. It started off hectic, so. Okay. Yeah, it, it's just been it's go, been go, one of go. Those weeks. Go, go, go. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's pre-Friday. So the weekend's almost here, so if that brings you any solace, you have some time to relax, lay down, chill, yeah? No, it's gonna be a busy weekend. I'll go out of town this weekend, thing. even if I was staying, they're doing a kickball tournament at work. So mm-hmm. there would have been that. <laughs> oh, so you on the kickball team? No, it's just departments versus departments for bragging rights. Okay. I don't know. Okay. A bunch of folks gonna be out there hurting themselves, but it's all good. Shout out to my CE team's gonna be out there winning. Y'all better win. <laughs> I <laughs> know, that's right. Y'all don't win. Y'all can't come back. Oh, no. Office. Nah, yeah. Oh, no. Y'all better win. If y'all don't win. Uh-oh. Okay. Man, don't say nothing about me not being there. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, he has spoken. Okay, so y'all better represent. And they listen to the show, too, so. All right, but we also got to represent for our platforms, for our podcast. So if you're listening to us on the TuneIn app, also, we have our podcast available on the TuneIn app. All you have to do is type in the Grapevine Talk. You will see our logo, and you can go ahead and listen to our show. But guess what? We're not limited to just tune in. You can listen to our show on Podbean, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, FM Player, Pandora. Tune in, of course, and listen notes. Apple, eh, we'll get you around sometime. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's jump in. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, Austin has been named the hottest job market in America. Surprise, surprise, shouldn't be. Okay, I'm not surprised, of course, because of the fact that we have so many people moving here. So, I'm not so many people, but so many companies moving here to Austin. We are just busting at the seams right now. It's pretty cool that we have the hottest job market. Of course, the question is with the diversity, inclusion, equity conversation that comes in as well. It's good to see that the jobs are available here. I think it's good to have a hot job market. I think it also depends on what kind of job, right? You can have a hot job market, but it's good to know what field these jobs are in because that could be a good or bad thing as well. Well, I mean, again, we can control from that aspect of who is coming in, but it's good to have the opportunities are here. And I guess with the same thing, I think for the past almost 20 years, we've been pushing people to kind of get into computers, coding and things of that nature. But I think as people come, it trickles down into, hey, we're going to need more people to work on homes because more people are going to live here. We're going to need construction. We're going to need all the other stuff. So I, I just think that since the jobs are here, it does have a trickle down effect and it does help our boost our economy and employment numbers. Sometimes we've seen that happen, but there's been a lot of times of the job market will be, like you said, for the tech jobs and kind of, and which is nothing wrong with that, but some of the higher up jobs, which of course has an impact on the cost of living and, and apartments and rent and things of that nature, which is kind of the cycle of, of a city, but it, it's good there's jobs available here. I think it's, it's good to pay attention to see what those fields are, if it is all tech or if, if it really will be trickling down, because sometimes that trickle don't make it or when it does trickle the pay rate that they pay them and that's with a lot of people when it comes i think we had this conversation a few weeks ago when it comes to living in the city you can't afford it which isn't funny but it's one of those things i'm happy there's a strong job market it's a great thing but i want to peel back some layers and see what's happening 
like I said, I'm glad they're here. I just want them to do right by the folks and everybody can benefit from it. And we welcome them here. Welcome to the community. Folks, get what you need to, to get these jobs and, and, and move forward. Okay. Well, if they can't find a job here, there is a job available as chief taco officer that I hear that. Yeah. yeah, aren't you applying for that one? I'm going to look for some summer work. Okay. Uh, yes, as chief. It's only in the summertime? It's for one month. You get okay. $10,000 for one month. Uh, wow. from, from like June to July, I believe. Okay. Is what it is. Of course, you need to be 21, a savvy content creator. Uh, I can work on that. Uh, know your <laughs> way around TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And aren't shy about documenting and sharing your experiences. Okay, look, that ain't me, but for $10,000, I can't be that. Okay, so what's the job? You are going around the state testing tacos. Uh-huh. Seeing who has the best taco. Okay. So uh, you just ride around the state, ride taste tacos, and just... Send out reviews about how they work? Well, it's a big state, so you may be flying. Okay. Uh, they'll pay you, of course, the 10000 for that role. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get free food, of course. Mm-hmm. They cover your accommodations, transportation. Oh. And then you, because uh, it's being done by favor, uh, which scorches the delivery company. I think they are associated with HEB. Oh, and, yes. And okay. And so you'll get free favor delivery for a year as well. So you just got to create a short video, one minute or less. Tell them why you should be CTO mm-hmm. and why you're excited about the opportunity. Post it on TikTok, Instagram, whatnot, and let them see why you should be that person. Yeah, so this is a uh, opportunity for you to be able to go out around the state. They pay for your travel and whatnot, and you'll be able to try tacos. They did say you will have to be adventurous, so you can't just be doing a bean and cheese taco. I'm saying Aww. this is the best bean and cheese taco there is. But, like, what about us that have, I have my preference, like, I like rate a taco truck or whatever by their steak tacos. I want to see how well you make a steak taco. I, I just know they said you have to be adventurous. How adventurous that is, I don't know. And I, I think you can have a steak taco, but I guess they don't want you just going with that the whole way through. Mm-hmm. To say, okay, look, yeah, they may. I mean, because it's very possible they have average steak taco, but their beef taco may be amazing, or their chicken taco may be legit. I don't know. Okay. Um, so I, I guess you're, you're trying. I'm sure they'll give you all the details, but I imagine you're going to try more than one taco there and say, well, you know, at Jimmy's taco stand, I had XYZ taco. I had this taco, that taco, that taco, that taco. Mm-hmm. Overall, I'm giving this stand maybe all together a 7 out of 10, but the taco you got to try is their steak taco because it is one of the best ones. I don't know. Okay, see, so I was here favor. He's interviewing for the job if y'all can't hear it already. Yeah. Hey, 10000 for a month of eating and chilling and riding around the state of Texas? Hey, I won't complain, right? But there might be another opportunity for people to get jobs here in Texas. Okay, what else we got? Twitter. (laughs) Well, they're already here. Well, Elon had Tesla move their headquarters out here. He did. Twitter might be next. Well, he did. Yeah. Scrounge up some money and bought Twitter. Right, $44 billion. You know, a little change in the couch, you know? Yeah, well, he had to go <laughs> talk to some people and be like, hey, look, I'm trying to do something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you, you know what I'm worth now? And that was always the big thing, is that he was worth that much money, but he didn't have cash on hand. Uh, and so he had to find banks and things that was willing to give him that cash. Mm-hmm for this to happen. That's why when it first came out, people were skeptical. Because it's like, yeah, he's worth that much, but he ain't got that much paper just there, accessible. Right. So he found his money. He made Twitter an offer 
that they can't, couldn't <laughs> refuse. Apparently. I mean, forty-four billion. Would you refuse? And look, I was actually trying to get some stock in before he did this. So yeah, I I, I was just trying to get. Did you get in? No, I didn't get any before <sighs> this went down. Yeah. Unf- I think I, I may own like one or two. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I have to look and see at this point. But well, it might be time to get Tesla because Tesla's uh, stocks they dropped a little bit, about eleven percent. Yeah, I'm gonna keep watching them and see what I can slide in because they already were more cheap. Right. And so I'm gonna see what it's looking like to see. Okay, is this a good time? Is this a good Time. So if you have been living under a rock and you haven't heard, Elon Musk purchased Twitter for $44 million. The Twitter board, they agreed to the sale on Monday. Elon Musk has been in pursuit of Twitter for the past maybe a couple of weeks. He's been talking about it openly on Twitter, ironically. Twitter's headquarters is currently in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So the question is whether Elon will move the headquarters from San Francisco to Austin as he did with Tesla. He moved it from California. I don't know if it was in San Francisco necessarily. You know, a lot of billionaires, they all own a publishing company, right? This is kind of a new generation's version of editorials or publishing these days. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we have Bezos that has the New York, no, the Washington Post. Thank you. Right. Trump was supporting the New York Times. Was that his? I mean, New York Post. I don't, I think that was his. I don't know. But anyway, the list goes on and on about the different billionaires. I know. Thank you. I see you looking it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's been a picture that's been. Right. And I don't know there. where it is. I saw it too. And I don't know where that picture is. Yeah. Well, you can see. I don't think Trump was on. I, I think the New York Post is a right wing supporting. Here we go. Okay. I think I got it. Uh, all right, we have Michael Bloomberg. Of course, he owns the Bloomberg publication. Then you have Jeff Bezos with the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. You have John Henry, who is the Red Sox owner. Ah. He has the Boston Globe. I-, I thought John Henry was a hammering man. Okay, so that's the Red Sox owner. Gotcha. Wait, what? What is a hammering man? Yeah, my man was at the big ox, and the big blue ox. Oh, yeah. yeah. Take us back. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that one just, it bombed. Yeah, Warren Buffett, he owns a couple of regional daily papers. So it's not out of the norm for billionaires to have kind of some say in the news. News, yeah. But also a say in what news comes to us, right? If you think about it from that perspective. They do control about what articles go into those newspapers and what they what they choose to be on the front page or on the 57th page. Or that's on their TV channel when it's Rupert Murdoch. True. And true, you true, have true. Fox News. True. If you don't use Twitter and you're not familiar with the platform, it is a platform that a lot of breaking news ends up coming on. Mm. People do express how they feel, but it's limited to 140 characters. Right. So it's not like you're reading a novel. Sometimes you see on Facebook posts. So you kind of engage in a more compact format. Right. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, well, we just ha- talked about something where they want you to have a social media presence, right? To get the right. job for your tacos. Right. They want you to be out there on social media influencing people. Right. And Twitter is still a powerful way folks are able to influence one way or the other. Right. Or, as you said, break stories. I think every sports story is broken on Twitter now, right? right? And <laughs> even before I think some stuff is verified, other stories are broken on Twitter. Okay. Where they know what's happening before, you know what's happening. This is taking us back even a little bit, but I think it was Twitter that I found out from when Michael Jackson passed away. Mm. It was on Twitter first. Wow. Through, through TMZ, but I didn't have yeah. the TV going on in the office. It was 
that that let me know what happened. I think that with Elon Musk taking over, it has so many questions about what's going to happen next for Twitter. Twitter has traditionally been that platform out there that doesn't censor as much as a Facebook or Instagram. Right. People get away with a lot more on Twitter. Do they censor? Obviously, because our former president is no longer on the platform, for one example. Mm-hmm. So there is some type of policies and procedures that are in place at Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now, Elon Musk is saying that he wants to open it more to have a freedom of expression on his platform and to allow people to freely express themselves. And if, even if you have an objective view, it should be an opportunity for dialogue and things of that nature. I, I'll slow it down. What do you feel about that part? Because I have a whole, yeah. Well, he's <laughs> controversial with that in itself. Right. He talks about he wanted to be the free speech platform, but he has a history of wanting to shut people down who have criticized things that he's doing or him. So mm-hmm. it's one of those of you saying you want it to be free speech, but your past doesn't necessarily reflect what you're saying. Exactly. How this would look, how this will work. Tesla has had a few lawsuits against them, especially from people of color for being treated unfairly. So, And and I think that's a lot of people's concern right now, especially in the black community, is he has an issue already of racial discrimination at Tesla. Mm -hmm. And it's been not one or two people. It's been a lot of people. I think that man just won a lawsuit recently. I think that we reported a couple of months ago. Yeah, I think they downsized the, the amount, but the he amount, ended but... up winning the suit. Though. Right. Yeah. So it was a legitimate claim that he was making. Oh, no doubt. For that to be happening in that arena, and then you go to a larger platform where not only is there opportunity for discrimination against African Americans, who I'm specifically pointing out to those who have brought the lawsuits against him, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So not saying that there is no other discrimination going on at Tesla or anywhere else. Right. But it opens it up for other countries as well. Remember, Twitter is not just an American thing. No, not at all. And that is the concern that this is going on in the black community. How do we make sure that issues in other countries like in Africa are highlighted or even reach our feeds? Because he's going to control partially the moderation of information. He did say he wants to redo the algorithm. Oh, of, see? Of, so you can see, according to him, I guess you will see more information with the revamping of the algorithm that they want to do. What that looks like, I think nobody knows. I think no matter how the algorithm is done, there's going to be somebody saying it ain't right. I know, but then is the algorithm going to make sure that our issues, black issues, political issues, don't get censored out in some capacity? Are, is he going to censor out the lawsuits against Tesla. You know, what does this look like? I just think there is a huge concern with his history Uh and him coming to this platform under the guise of the freedom of speech. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be a private company, so he'll be over it. We'll see how involved he is in the day-to-day. Right. Because he still has other, he has, like, what, three other companies he needs to be paying attention to? Yeah, SpaceX, he has Tesla. And the Boring Company. Right, oh, yeah. And they're supposed to be doing some digging in Fleurville. Right. You can't be spread so thin. I think that's why Tesla's 
stock was dropping where folks were like, well, how much attention are you now going to be paying to Tesla since this seems to be your passion project at the moment? How badly do you want it? Twitter, are you going to stop paying attention to Tesla? Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions. We're going to see how this algorithm works and how this impacts black folks in particular with what's coming across. But at the end of the day, he's found a way to have his name in the news for the past month or so. <laughs> I was questioning whether to do stories about him because I was like, I don't know. But you were like, he'll be back next week. Oh, yeah, he'll be back. <laughs> I, I think Governor Abbott has already encouraged him to bring Twitter headquarters to Texas, of course. Mm. Who knows? I think right. there will be somebody paying attention to it. We may pay attention to him. I don't know. After a while, I stopped paying attention to people because you've had your time and there's other more important things to talk about. So, but you never know what's going to happen next, right? Right. He may do something crazy with Twitter and like, oh, well, we got to talk about him again. I don't know. <laughs> true, true, true. Mm-hmm. So, one person that I do want to keep on everyone's mind is Brittany Griner. She's a fellow Texan, WNBA player, and she is currently detained in Russia. She's been detained since February under this alleged suspicion that she had a vape in her luggage that contained marijuana. Supposedly, she has a court date that is next month, but the Russian prosecutors have offered very little to no clarity about what these charges are and what is going on with this matter. I know I've been trying to keep up with a case but unfortunately there's little movement going on and even her legal team her being Brittany Griner's legal team they've been declining to speak out about the case because they're trying to work things behind the scenes right so uh, it's a mm-hmm. delicate situation you have Diana Taurasi who said you know she spent 10 years over there so she knows how things work there's a lot of folks who are treading lightly because they don't want to antagonize that situation and of course what's been going on between Russia UK, Ukraine and the different countries of the world including the US folks are trying to figure this out because we see how unhinged Putin can be right yes and he's also very vindictive Mm. and the position that he's in he would definitely try to get something out of this and I think they're trying to figure out how can they do this without I'm sure it's on his radar but without picking it up bigger on his radar maybe is what the words I'm looking for I don't know but Mm -hmm. it's a tricky situation Yeah, It, it really is I think people are concerned but like you said because her legal team isn't saying anything or saying much and they're not giving permission to really talk about it a lot there's a lot of people who can't speak on it because they haven't been given permission to. and I think that speaks to my frustration remember I came to you a couple of weeks ago and I was just like I want more people to talk about this like why aren't they mm-hmm. and I understand what position she's in mm-hmm. I get that part that they have to tread lightly mm-hmm. however I don't want us to forget about that she's there Well, of course and I think that happens here in America a lot because it's like the next news story, the next news story that's there. And still, we have a wife that's still here in America that doesn't have her partner with her. Mm-hmm. We have kids in this situation that don't have their mom. Mm-hmm. We have teammates that don't have their teammates, a mom that doesn't have her daughter, and the list goes on. Right. I don't want us to forget that she's there, especially as a black woman, and that she has our support while she is there. Oh, yeah. I think you hit that on the head and, and, and 
a part of that. You know, jokingly, we talked about Elon Musk, how it's been something new the past four weeks or so. Right. Him. I think that's the frustration for a lot of people is that the update is just what you said. Mm-hmm. She's still there. And folks mm-hmm. are like, I got questions. We ain't got nothing for you. She's still there. And we have, they probably have questions too. Right. You know, the same people that they're asking. I get it. Yeah. Right. And folks are always like, how do you do the update? Yeah. They still got her and we're still working on it. What are you doing? We can't tell you. Right. What can you tell me? Nothing. She's still there. Right. And and then that's that. And I think that's the frustration for a lot of people and just trying to figure out what can be done. Like even the Justice Department legally can't say much until her attorneys give them permission or, or she grants permission for folks to talk about it. Right. There's only so much that can be said legally. And that's not even talking about the back channel mm-hmm. stuff that's going on, which of course is back channel for a reason. And you don't want to put it out there. Right. And I think that the one thing that you can do is pray. Yeah. Just uh, hopefully and prayerfully, God willingly, she will return back to these United States and reunite with her family, friends, teammates, and fans. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, here in Texas, we have a judge that is asking for Disney to come on out here. Mm-hmm. So if you remember last week, we talked about Ron DeSantis putting up a fight against Disney regarding the don't say gay bill. That was one. And then two was the special districting that Disney had there in the state. And that was deemed because Disney was protesting against some of his recent laws that were implemented there in the state. Mm-hmm. Well, a judge here in Texas, Judge KP George out in Fort Bend, Mm-hmm. He has invited yes. Walt Disney to, hey, come on out here to the Lone Star State. Right. And by judge, he's the county judge. He's, okay. I want to make sure folks are thinking, <laughs> why the judge who does... Right. Yeah, he's the county judge of Fort Bend County. Okay. He's made that offer that, look, if... And, and truthfully, if Florida isn't acting right, coming to Texas isn't going to do much better because I think the lieutenant governor has already said they want to do some of the similar stuff Florida's doing come next session. So I, I get the point that he's making about, hey, if they want tax your folks come to texas we can do something with you i don't know how welcoming some of the state leadership would be well first of all the judge did say to tweet i was tweet here we're back on twitter again yep okay so the judge did tweet that desantis is a political extremist and touted um, Fort Bend County as being a very diverse place. It is. It is definitely very diverse. It's the most diverse county in the state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's that, without a doubt. But we also have folks at the top of the state who kind of subscribe to the same stuff that DeSantis is doing. Yeah, I hear you that they people that d- subscribe to it, but I don't think it would be as extreme here <laughs> as it is there in Florida. And I know in some circumstances that Texas has been a state that says, hold my beer and try to outdo everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that these are some of the laws that us Texans would stand for. Well, truly. Like, I, I don't think we're going this far. The lieutenant governor has already said he wants to see those, the don't say gay bills that was done in Florida. Mm-hmm. That's one of his priorities for next session. Now, the tax carve-out that they're going to need, I think, would have to be done by the legislature. Now, even though it, it would only be affecting Fort, Fort Bend, Bend County, mm-hmm. they still would need majority of the House and majority of the Senate to go along with. Right. And I can tell you from how it's been working, if Dan Patrick don't want it, the Senate isn't doing it. Right. And he's been very vindictive. He's killed people's bill, spoke out against it. Mm-hmm. So he's just, and the bill is a bill that a bunch of people would want. And it wasn't even a bill. It was a state senator a few years back. He killed her whole slate of bills. 
she got nothing passed and most of her bills were dealing with her district and the people there but because she had spoken out against something or slowed up something he wanted he said nothing for you right and i just think that it would be kind of cool to have a resort here in some capacity i guess Besides this would be uh, i cannot wait to go back to the oh my gosh i cannot wait well and we're getting the amusement park that's coming to oh yeah it's over the by one we it, talked it, about last week right over to the circuit of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. now there's nothing i guess in the houston area yeah because Astro that's what World. i was thinking I, that's what exactly what i was thinking of was i don't think there's anything else in houston yeah, ever since Six Flags, I think, had left Houston. Yeah, entertainment-wise, for kids, I, I think it's pretty depleted mm, when Astroworld left. Right. And yeah, so. because there's no other Six Well, you had Six Flags San Antonio, and you have the one in Dallas. Right. Okay. I mean, it would be cool. It would you know, be. Because it would be mid-continent from the other two, because think about it, they're both on very extreme sides. Right. Of the continent of the United States. So this is kind of meet a meeting point in the middle. And then also, I think that Disney strategically put them, not necessarily in the South, but in states that had warmer climates mm-hmm. so that they could operate more year round. Yeah. And I think this is a pretty good area. Yeah. I, I think Disney has it. They have it unique too, though, right? Mm-hmm. Where Six Flags have stuff in different states and they can be regional. Mm-hmm. Disney, like, look, we're going to be in Cali, we're in Florida. And I promise y'all going to come to us. Well, they have one in Hawaii, too. Do they have one in Hawaii now? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know it, it's, not a, it, it, it's not an amusement park. It's strictly a resort because they're uh, putting those more in different places now. Right. The re- Just the resort part of it. Oh, sure. But also, they have one in Hong Kong. They have the one in Paris. They do have some in Europe. And then in Asia. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, it would make sense to put something here. They have those there to tease folks to come to like because even with Disney oh I want to go to one in Hong Kong right like even with Disneyland it's like this is Disneyland but you want to go to Disney World Disneyland is cool but you want the world because it has more And, and look the mouse mouse knows what they're doing when it comes to their marketing but it will be something to to watch uh, to see if they bring a resort uh, it would need more than a resort I guess for Fort Bend County you're gonna need some kind of entertainment to go along with that so we'll see what happens with it yeah well meanwhile DeSantis he, I don't know him and Elon must compete for the headlines every week I, I'm convinced but Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Monday he signed a new bill that pretty much overhauled the voting there in the state of Florida. And it established a new election police force, which gives his administration a new way to probe election crime. So I guess, (laughs) I know, right? I feel like this is just a never ending saga with this whole election fraud. And it just keeps rearing its ugly head because of course they're using as the premise of the urgence of the sweeping bill mm-hmm. that there were accusations and allegations of election fraud in the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. Ironically, Ron DeSantis is running for governor this year. So people are raising their eyebrows. Why all of a sudden are you trying to get election police? Well, and he also said that their election was very safe and secure in the presidential election. Right. Uh, Again, this is not necessarily for the gubernatorial race, but his eyes on the presidential race Mm -hmm. and getting the Trump supporters away from Trump to him. He's after that that crowd, that base. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he knows, I mean, we, we saw January 6th. Right, and we yeah. saw what came from that. Um, 
and he knows that there's folks who still would not say the election was was fair and legit. There are people to this day, some of them are elected, mm. who refuse to say, yeah, it was fair, it was right, and Joe Biden is the president. There are folks who are like, well, I don't know, people have doubts. They scapegoated around it, right? They step around it mm. because, not scapegoat, but they slide around it because they want to court those votes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm from the school of... You don't get to do that and then try to separate yourself from them and be like, well, I don't think like them. Well, you're going after their vote. So apparently this is your people. This is what you want. Uh, And this is who he wants. And so, yeah, I think if you have an election police, if it had to pass, it should not be controlled by the governor because he runs for office. Right. It's a conflict of interest. Right. It, It needs to be not controlled by elected official, at least one elected official. It could be a group of them or something. I don't know, whatever. But I think that's the problem where you now have your own election police force that you can say, you know what? I don't like how this turned out in this county or whatever, and it's leaning away. I don't like. Let's investigate and harass some people. Right. And uh, also, this bill does make it a felony to collect and submit more than two vote-by-mail ballots on behalf of other voters. It previously was a misdemeanor to do so, so it increased the fine from $1,000 to $50,000 on organizations that violate voter registration laws. Wait, so is this basically saying that you, as an organization, can't help, like, the elderly? Yeah. Texas has something similar as well, where they cap, if I remember correctly, the number of folks that you're able to assist. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to, like, sign the back of the envelope or somewhere on it here in Texas. They, they, they've changed theirs up, and that's been the other thing when we're dealing with the different election laws. They're looking at different ways. And so, yeah, you could be volunteering at the nursing home to help folks get their stuff done and you can't you couldn't do that anymore right it's set up i think even the legal the legal women voter of florida president there said it's a direct threat to their organization and they do a lot of work with getting folks out to vote and helping people vote but that's the goal you have a lot of organizations that are helping people get their vote out and you have folks who believe that these people vote a certain way so to the extent that someone does violate these laws as well, they have also a new law that it bans any private donations to assist in the litigation from being prosecuted for any of these crimes. So that means that if you got free, if you were able or eligible to receive free legal aid or assistance right. for these election officials right. that were helping or whatever, the organization again could face scrutiny. You can't do a GoFundMe <laughs> or what have you I to cannot. help cover these rights because your limited budget should be able to go against this much bigger budget that the state is going to have. Because that's fair, right? If you have a small budget and the state has not unlimited, but they definitely have more money than you. Yeah, that seems fair. That's that's that's, that's right. Yeah, you, you should not be able to, to mound a credible defense and you should go to jail. Apparently, that's what they believe is that let's set let's tilt this in our favor. Right. I know that people are asking, like, whoa, why all of a sudden, one, we've already brought up his re-election that's coming down the pipeline in November. But also, there was a court ruling on March 31st that basically DeSantis lost. The judge struck down some of the Florida election laws that were passed in 2021 that were deemed unconstitutional and improperly targeted black voters. Mm-hmm. Judge Mark Walker barred the state from making any future rule changes that were similar to the ones that he struck down. 
So this is, in essence, DeSantis' next batter-up pitch <laughs> to see how well this plays and if it will get struck down as well. Throw spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks. Exactly. Uh, this is the same state that the voters approved that folks, former felons who are off papers, should have the right to vote. Mm -hmm. And when DeSantis came in office and had that Republican legislature, mm -hmm. they filed bills to to overturn that and still make them have to do, I think, more work to come off paper. They may have even added a fee or whatever that they have to pay, which is just stupid. Yeah. But when you talk about black and brown voters, who are the majority of folks that that's going to impact? Black and brown voters. And why would I want to court your vote if I can just stop you from voting? I ain't got to worry about you now. Yeah. Well, you know what? This has been a lot. We've been, <laughs> we've been literally around the world from Disney World Paris to back here, maybe Disney World Texas. Once again, I am honest. Thanks. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Miss Nikki Wooding. That was sweet of you. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. I was trying to figure out what to call you. Ouch. No, last time was Esquire, right? Oh. So I was like, am I doing that this time? <laughs> what am I doing? Oh, okay. Well, guess what? It's time for a legal minute. You ready? Sure. All right. So first story is something that I forgot to cover last week, but I did want to give recognition to the life and legacy of Miss Jacqueline Avant. She is the late wife of the iconic entertainment mogul, Clarence Avant. She was killed in the home invasion back in 2021 when Ariel Maynard broke into their home in Beverly Hills. He was sentenced on Tuesday of last week and received a sentence of 190 years in prison. He pled guilty to the charges of murder, attempted murder, firearm possession, and residential burglary. You know, people didn't know his life and legacy. I encourage people to watch The Black Godfather. It's a documentary on Netflix, and it really stories his life and his legacy in the music industry. He is the widower, Miss Savant, and we send our condolences to the family and as they receive closure from the sentence. I mean, I'm just going to say and put it out there, that old boy who shot him. What you say his name was? Shot him. Ariel Miner? Maynard? Uh-huh. He ain't. He... I, she was 81 years old. Right, and they said that he made a phone call from jail to a friend mm -hmm. and laughed about the notoriety he had gotten due to the case. And you know what? That was almost exactly why sometimes I don't want to talk about cases because of just that, that people are seeking notoriety. And that's why, you know, even with this story and any other story, we want to uplift the victims because we don't want them to be forgotten. And the perpetrators or the people that have caused such harm and hurt in families' lives mm -hmm. get praised, you yeah. know? Yeah, and this was his third strike, which is why he got so much time. In case somebody is wondering how that happened, uh, he was on parole mm. at the time of the murder. So this yeah. was strike number three, and away he goes. So this case involved a story we talked about from a couple of weeks back. If you remember, the teenager, Tyree Sampson, he was on a middle school trip in Florida, and he was ejected from his seat on one of the rides. And unfortunately, he passed away from his injuries from that incident. Well, his family has filed a lawsuit against the park, the ride operator, the manufacturer, and other defendants in recent court documents. One major point of contention that really stood out to me in the lawsuit was that the park really skimped 
on the precautionary measures that would have been put in place to help protect and secure passengers on the ride. For instance, they could have purchased a harnesses that would have been lap belts because on this particular ride, they only had the shoulder harness. And typically on these type of rides, you have a shoulder and a lap harness. If they would have purchased that lap belt, it would have been a total of $660 for all of the seats to have that. And which they're saying would have been $22 per seat should they have purchased this and that would have been fulfilled in what a couple of rides the family is also suing the fact that they didn't terminate any of their employees that were mishandling either equipment or not complying with procedures one thing that the case is bringing to light is what they did when he got on the ride this blew my mind so he was a hundred pounds over the weight limit right one thing is that the family says on the ride if there was a height and a weight requirement why was there no scale how are they supposed to measure your weight without there being an instrument to measure your weight okay then they say he got on the ride there's a light sensor on there that shows them if there was a harness issue and that it's properly secured supposedly that particular night for him they adjusted it so that the light sensor would show that it was safely in place and I guess that there are other people that have actually ridden in that seat that are also saying that, hey, it always felt kind of insecure in comparison to the other seats on the ride. I mean, I think they have a very strong case of a wrongful death suit. This boy was in middle school. And I know from probably when we're reading about the size and stature of this young man, he's only 14 years old. You know, even though that he came there to play at a football event and everything, he could have grown up to be a doctor, a lawyer, or anything else. And Miss Dodd and Mr. Samson is missing out on the life of their son. It's just a really sad situation to see. Yeah, there was so many other issues as well. You. They talked about how there was a metal detector that they had to walk through before they got on the ride. But right. Mentioned, no scale. And there were no signs posted about weight or height limit. Mm -hmm. So if these are things that are supposed to stop you from riding this ride, why didn't you post them? Right. And why, uh, apparently, I guess the employees are trained to how to make these adjustments. Why are you making adjustments to, to the safety measures on the ride? Right. Oh, my heart breaks for this the, family. This is definitely one of those avoidable incidents. Mm -hmm. I, I hope the family will get some kind of closure from this. Don't know what that would look like for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope parks who are doing something similar to this one will reevaluate what they're doing. Another case that was going on, a black couple, their business owners out in California by the name of Yina Khalif and his wife, uh, Howie Awash, they actually reached a settlement in a lawsuit that they brought because they were racially profiled inside their own store. They were working late one night in the store and the police came in and asked them to prove that they were store owners. It wasn't until a white neighbor shouted out confirming that they were actually and in, indeed the store owners did the police stop engaging in their attempt to arrest them or question them. You know, it was embarrassing for the couple and very traumatizing to have gone through this incident, so they sued. And along with their settlement that they received, they are seeking to form a community advisory board where members will help vet candidates for the police department. 
So this is in Tiburon, California. And Khalif and Awash have already secured their spots on the board. They're planning to donate some of the money that they've received to help organizations in Kenya and Ethiopia. I know it sounds awkward because I think that some people would probably say congratulations that they received the settlement. But again, this is a situation that we didn't need. Definitely avoidable. This is one of the major topics that's going on in America about police reform and talking about having some type of training that's involved in the police force as far as racial engagements and things of that nature. <sighs> no, I touched it on what you said. I just looked over at you and you said, I'm not touching that. Uh, yeah, I remember the story from last year. Mm -hmm. I don't remember when I read it. It's good to see some closure for them, and they're trying to do something good out of it with creating this committee. Let's see what happens. Right. We have a bit of follow-up. Remember the story of Bruce Beach? It's out in California. Yeah. Okay. This was a property that was owned by a black family in California. Governor Newsom recently signed a bill which would effectively transfer this land back to the family. The family bought the land back in 1912. It went to the city of Manhattan Beach in, in the 1920s, and the state of California owned the land since 1948. It was under the guise it was going to be used as a park, but they never did anything with it. In the midst of this transfer, we have someone, a complaint, that was filed by an attorney from Palos Verdes Estates. His name is Joseph Ryan. He wanted to contest that the land not be transferred to the Bruces because it was unconstitutional of the bill that Newsom signed into law and that it would be considered a quote-unquote gift to the family, right? <laughs> so Judge Burkloff, he has rejected his complaint. The property will be transferred to the family. I don't know if there's going to be an appeals process, but the timeline of which they think the transfer is going to happen is when, if within the next couple of months. This is a huge act for the family because this was taken from them under the guise of eminent domain and under the guise that it was for the public use. And it was just sat there. I could believe how many times as a family they passed by their property and they couldn't go to it. So they're getting their stuff back and it's something great to see. I mean, I'm sure they weren't duly compensated for it. Mm -hmm. There's always a hater <laughs> in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I've told friends who from dealing in, in the ledge, you never know who's paying attention to what and who will complain about something that nobody should be complaining about. There's folks who pop out, out the blue, and that's what this guy did. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully he'll just sit down and go away. Mm -hmm. His hand's been slapped basically, and they said, no, it's fine. Yeah, so I guess that concludes my legal minute. Have you seen that show on HBO Winning Time? Have Is that the Lakers show? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen some of it, yeah. Oh, yeah, are, are you up to date with it or no? I'm, I'm, I'm behind, it's, it's without a doubt. Right, it's become a ritual for me. I am so into it on Sundays. I am ready to go. Got the TV ready at 8 o'clock because I know it's coming on. Well, and I know they, when to bother you. Huh? I now know when to bother you. Go ahead. No, you just know when I'm not going to answer the phone. No. <laughs> You'll get tired of that phone ring. Why won't he stop? That's why God made this good old do not disturb feature on these Apple devices. Whoever's had you blessed, Lord, yeah, by putting it on the, these phones. Oh, Thank you. It's going to pop up and ring your doorbell. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
on the show, it depicts the Lakers during the 1980s. Basically, when they acquire Magic Johnson, they're kind of going through ownership change at the time, coach changes. It's the Showtime um, era. Correct. That's the easiest way, probably, to, to... Well, hey, that's for y'all guys, but for us, we gotta break it down for us ladies. We might not know everything going on. Okay, but... It does a great job of bringing the dramatic content because maybe it's just because it's in Hollywood. It's a lot going on. You have like everything. I can't say. <laughs> it's HBO. <laughs> so some of the people that they're depicting on this series, they are getting upset at their portrayal on the show. Yeah. Specifically, we have the former coach and general manager, Jerry West. Yep. He sent off a letter claiming that he demands a retraction, mm -hmm. an apology, yep. and unspecified damages for the false and defamatory portrayal on Winning Time. It seems just like his <laughs> portrayal on Winning Time to me. Well, I don't know. It's dramatized. It is. That's what it's I'm saying. It's extremely dramatized. Right. And I get where he's I understand where he's coming. I don't. Now, I don't say that he should be doing this, but I don't. a lot of this stuff was really stretched out of, of what's done. And so I, I think he's worried, concerned, and there's definitely some people who are taking this as a historical reenactment of what that was. And that understanding that, no, this is a dramatic series where they took creative license mm -hmm. and to add some drama to it and stretch it out to make it watchable. I think he's worried that there are going to be people who believe that exactly what they see is how he was. And I am not that up to date on his time as the coach and mm -hmm. GM during that period. Mm -hmm. I read Magic's autobiography a long time ago, and Magic had a wild life mm -hmm. before he caught HIV. You can see how that happened. I can understand why he upset. Do I think he's there it's a bit much to put the letter out asking for an apology? Yes, I do. What? I think him asking for the apology is is like now fam. From when I've watched the show and everything I've read about the show, I think they do a good job of stating this is dramatic. Right. This is, this is for Hollywood. We're dramatizing this and I get it. I can understand, I understand why he'd be upset again because there's people who don't get that part. But I, I don't think he should be asked, writing a letter out saying, oh, you owe me an apology. Make your statement. This ain't how I really was. This was a dramatic show. We know what you're doing. Boom, boom, boom. Keep the party going. I think that he is being overly dramatic because there are so many times when HBO or whatever platform has series that parallel real life. Like you had Chernobyl, mm -hmm. right? That was about the nuclear plant. Mm -hmm. You had, there's a cool documentary called the Mockumentary, we'll call it, called The Thing About Pam, that's on Hulu, that talks about people's, uh, this woman's life that is really based on real events. What HBO is saying is, look, they read their biographies, they read the books that they wrote. They had, there was a, another book that I, um, that was written, oh, and it was focused on this era of the Lakers as well. So they did their extensive research. Is some of this dramatized? Yes. Maybe some of this they didn't want to bring to the public. Okay. But I think that when you come out and you start this big thing, you know how they say a hit dog gonna holler? Right. This is how I feel about Jerry right now. You hollering because you hit. Well, yeah. If you would have just been quiet and been like, you ain't even got to make a comment about the show. If somebody asked you a question in the media, that, how do you feel about it? I didn't see it. 
That's what Magic's is sticking to. Yeah, Magic has said he's not going to watch it. Right. The Bus family wasn't involved with this. I think for Jerry, <laughs> the easier way would have been, you know, look, you know, that's it's Hollywood. It's a dramatic show. Not everything in there is true. Have a good day. And leave it at that because, yeah, when they start talking about how we use the books, different things for research, I think that's where some folks are taking it as, ah, all of this is true. And just like, yeah, there's stuff they exaggerated on. It's what Hollywood does. I know, but then when he writes a letter well, and he talks he, about, he that. right. I'm, so he went too far that he should have just made the statement of basically, look, it's Hollywood. This is what they do. Not everything in there is true. If y'all are liking it, cool. I'm going to keep it moving. I'm not watching it. But yeah, you can't believe everything you see. I guess right now must be biopic, mockumentary, because mockumentary is kind of like it parallels real life, but it adds the drama elements such as Winning Time and like the other one I was talking about earlier. But this is a true biopic that's also coming out. It's SWV. Did you hear about them? They have a documentary coming out on Lifetime. Why not? Right? Like, what, what? Everybody is. Yeah. They are going to portray, I guess, their history, how they came together. And Who's they? You said they are going to portray their history. Who? Oh, well, SWV, SWV is going to portray their journey in the music industry. I mean, it was sadly interrupted when the band disbanded in 1988. They were actually on a 14-year hiatus before they came back together and began singing again in the means of touring. They began in the Chance Audition back in 19. 1991 and won a plethora of awards on their musical journey together as SWB. Their biopic will be released on Lifetime and I'm sure that they will update us when the release date will happen. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're going to do the tours, make the rounds. You know, why not? All I gotta say is, I just want another Aaliyah documentary. Can we get this one right? But I know the family's not gonna consent to it because they don't want their child's legacy tainted. And I can see, but that is a documentary that I would love to see. I will say the SWV documentary has been years in the making. Oh, absolutely. I think they had started back at, I guess, 2019. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure COVID put a bump into when this was coming out. Yeah. They want to finish this story. They definitely had a, a place in the history when it comes to black music. Mm-hmm. They've definitely had their hits. They had their bangers. And it's, since it's a biopic, I might be more interested in it than if it was a reenactment. Really? Yeah. I think there's some good ones. Like that said, Winning Time, the actors are doing very well of portraying who they are casted to represent. You know what I'm saying? So they're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. If you watch the other one I told you about, The Thing About Pam, that was a good one too, where Renee Zellwinger, she is the lead in that one. She does an awesome job of taking on that character. I'm telling you, it's a binge watch. You can't, I'm, I tried to do one episode and I end up watching six. Well, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I just say what I said because I'm, I'm in the mood where I just want to know the truth. I don't want to try to have to decide did this happen? Did this not? How outlandish? Well, okay, because here's the next one. Our next story, Viola Davis. She is Michelle Obama yeah. in the series The First Lady on Showtime. Right. She doesn't necessarily physically, to me, look like Michelle, okay? They have very different features to me. Sure. Okay? And I was very skeptical when she took on the role. I watched it just to see how she would perform in that role. And she is doing an amazing job. I know there's been some criticism that was lodged against 
Viola Davis regarding her exaggerated facial expressions and just things of that nature. But I'm saying if you had to get that nitpicky, she's doing something right. She's She is doing an amazing job as Michelle Obama. But what, what I want to speak to your point, though, was that show gives you a kind of a fictional, and I will say that, glimpse of what it may have looked like in the relationship between her and Barack Obama. What does it look like from a woman's perspective of saying, I want to help push my husband's dreams, but I still need to protect my children and make sure that they have a normal life as well. What does that look like? And I think she's doing a great job of giving us a glimpse of striking that balance as a woman and how Michelle would have reacted and what she would have been going through during that time. So I can appreciate that part. So don't knock them. I think this one is different than with SWB. I would be more interested in this one because it's not just her that's doing this. It's not just Michelle Obama they're portraying this. Many other first ladies as well. What, isn't Eleanor Roosevelt is one of them? Right, but... So she's not around to talk about her, to participate, right? I think from that aspect, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, did they ever interact with each other? No, and that's the thing about the okay. show. The whole show is not about necessarily about them interacting. It's just what is it like as a woman taking on such an insurmountable role right. as first lady? What does that look like when your husband is literally the largest person on the planet? Sure. And what challenges they necessarily had to go through. And this show is highlighting three unique challenges. Mm -hmm. One from a racial perspective, of course, with Michelle and Barack Obama. Then you have more of a disability perspective. Right. So you're looking at um, Roosevelt. Roosevelt that had polio. Mm-hmm. Then you had Betty Ford, who comes in, and she's kind of forging her own trail. Right. At that time, she was trying to give a role to the first lady. Right. And so what it was like as a more outgoing and steadfast first lady that had her own agenda. Right. That's how this show is kind of showing that. They're not necessarily... Yeah. Depi- I, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not depicting you. real situations. They're just trying to show you how they navigated through that time. Right, And because I, I, I think the, the intent of these shows are too different. The SWB biopic and what this is doing. And even if it was a reenactment of SWB, I think it still would be different from what this show is doing. And I would look at it and take it as such. You don't like, think the SWB, SWB could survive the new edition treatment? <laughs> you know I couldn't go there. <laughs> right. There's been a few of those that were done, right? And mm-hmm. I just I just didn't have any interest in watching that, per se. But I could watch this, the first lady. I, like, I could watch that because of what that is doing. They're, they're still here. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's more focused. Like you said, this show is focused on more of the role of the first lady and how that interaction and kind of how they're setting themselves up. Whereas this will be about their lives. I know a new edition was about their live, and especially the next story, and Whitney Houston. I didn't Houston. want to watch that. I didn't watch the new edition one either. So it, you didn't? No, I that didn't. That was a good one. I was like, you should have gave that one a chance. You still I, can. Oh, I don't. I can still watch all of them, but it, it's just it, it it just didn't pique my interest. Okay. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. I grew up on new edition. I it, but I like these because it really, like I said, it gives you kind of an insight. Because I think that sometimes documentaries they give you the facts and they they hover over that the facts. And you don't get the small details. You don't get the conversations. You don't get the the facial expressions or everything else that goes along with it because they're hovered over just making sure they paint the story correctly. Sure. Some and of them, so yeah. I, I look at them as some of these other podcasts I may listen to. Mm-hmm. 
and you hear the the interviews that they do, and folks are like, like Shaq has just been on one, uh-huh. but you're hearing them retail certain times. Yep. But the facial expression is still there, and you can see that happen, and you hear that happening. I think even with one the recent one, he owned up to how he wasn't a good husband and, yeah. and, and the whole nine, and, and you can see that, right? Uh-huh. I was hooked, uh-huh. and I, I think watching just for me watching the reenactment is like. Mm, yeah, that's cool. But I want to hear, like, I love audiobooks, mm-hmm. but I love the audiobooks when it's the person, especially when it's a biography or autobiography, when it's the person it's about is reading it to you. Right. It's a different feel than when, if it was about Michelle Obama and say, you're reading her life to me, which is nothing wrong with you doing that, but it's a different feeling when it's her doing it than hearing somebody else's voice, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and there's situations where there, you're right, that it can't be explained or understood except from that person. And I, I think when the good director or a good person comes into place, such as Ava Devenay that did the Central Park Five, it gives new life and new meaning. And it can raise a whole new wave of awareness if used properly. But I see what you're saying, though. But also, did you, okay, well, there's a last but not least, Whitney. She's getting another biopic. She already had one. Yeah. Oh, one. She has about five or six. Exactly. And I love Whitney. Go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> well, this biopic is actually being supported by Clive Davis and her estate and her family. The thing is that there is a young lady that is playing Whitney Houston. Her name is Naomi Aki. And she made a huge splash back in 2019 in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And they're saying, they're questioning whether she has the chops to pull off this big role. Hmm. What we talked about earlier is the family's involved, Clive Davis is involved. Mm -hmm. I hope the intentions are pure with we're telling the story of her life that the family and Clive is sanctioning Mm -hmm. and not trying to use this as a way that they can make some money of, I'm going to roll out my next new talent. I'm going to roll out my next new artist that I'm trying to get out there. Which, you know, I get that happens with things, but for it to be about Whitney, I think if it's going to be about Whitney, it needs to be about Whitney and not trying to market or campaign a a new artist, a new, when you I, I think you said that they call her like she she has a great voice or the next big voice or whatever well they're they're wondering if she has the chops to pull it off and they are already comparing her to see if she can do it i see (laughs) well because the the thing is going so slow to pull up the article Mm -hmm. um that you sent i don't know why it's been acting up but well dion warwick did come out and say that she wishes they would let whitney rest in peace yeah. It's been 10 years since she's died. It's time to let her sleep. If you remember, there was a Lifetime movie that was titled Whitney, and the actress model, Yaya DaCosta, she played Whitney in that biopic, and it had lukewarm reception as well, and she's even saying they've done it, it should be over. This um, is the board, right? No, this is Yaya. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's saying that they've done the biopic, and our focus now should be just maintaining her legacy. Yeah. I guess this is big because Clive is taking the lead on this, and the family's actually behind it. And that's not typical. The family has not been behind. Remember the hologram issue? Right. There were other situations that happened and they weren't behind it. So for the family to be behind it, I think, I guess that's big. Yeah, I think I'm in the team of Dion and Yaya. Right. Yeah, where it's been, and I, granted, I get it. The family wasn't involved in the other 20 that were done. It wasn't 20, but y'all get what I'm saying. 
mm-hmm. th- they weren't involved in it. But yeah, I, I think to her legacy in other ways, she was the voice. So and when you hear her voice, you, you know what it is. I mean, she took Dolly Parton's song from her. Right, folks don't even know Dolly Parton was singing that the, the song that slipped in my well, mind. Well, originally sang the song. Right, I mean that's what I meant. Originally sang the song. It was like it was Dolly's song, and Whitney took that. Do what you need to do. I, I think rolling out this this other biopic, you know, it's the family. They can do what they want. It's Clive. He has the clout to do that. But I kind of feel like, yeah, like what new? Is there gonna be anything new in the biopic? There I, I, can't be anything new. We are. I mean. Unfortunately, Miss Houston is deceased. Right. That the journey that you know God had her on here at that time is has ended here on Earth. Sure. Well, and in the past ten years, there bye. has been uh, unfortunately her daughter has passed on. Right. The other boy that she was dating and well, she raised Miss Houston raised. Mm-hmm. He has passed on. Mm-hmm. And that's all that's pretty much happened since then. Well, right. But to clarify, when I say new, is the family having some from previous times that maybe nobody knew about that's going to be in this because if there's I think this is more to clean up what was out there before right like because I me, think that you know in the um, Bobby Brown documentary that he had the mockumentary that he had as well it didn't put Whitney in the best light that his introduction to drugs was not necessarily from her but she was doing them prior to them being introduced you know what I'm saying and the different things I think that the family spent so much time trying to cover up over the years came out in the show yeah and it looks like there's even more documentaries it's it's a lot so yeah I just think that hopefully this is the last one but I want the family to get their chance to put this together if that's what they seek to do and sure. Clive Davis of course because he had a major impact in his her career sure so let them have this moment I don't think there's anything wrong with them having their moment I just think that after this <laughs> let's yeah. wait to the next one like I said it's the family and you know like you were saying it's the family it's Clive they can do what they right. want to do I, I think yeah I, I'm in that circle of like, how long ago did these other documentaries come out for you now? You know what? I don't even worry about it. It's not even that serious. It's one of those. Just right. All right. So I'm going to let you take. see me, but I'm making hand gestures. I don't know why. But Right. Whatever. Okay. I'm going to let you take this story. Go ahead. We on sports. We got J.R. Smith. I thought he was on the basketball court. A court uh, uh, I guess he's on the golf course. He's living that golf life. And he's been killing it out there. Yeah. Uh, in, in the golf world. He got him an NIL a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was like the first, one of the first to be doing that for golf, uh, especially at HBCU. And now, I, I, I'll say this, because there's been many jokes at J.R. Smith's expense. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody thought of J.R. Smith as an academic. Okay. Fair to say. But the brother has gone back to college. Mm-hmm. Basketball career is over. He decided he's going to take up golf. And he was named North Carolina A&T's mm. Academic Athlete of the Year with a 4.0 GPA. And I say all that before to say, looks is can be deceiving. And you never know what you can do once you go and you put your mind and your heart into it. Yeah, he's he's pursuing a degree in liberal studies and competing on the golf team. Of course, he's 36 years old, so he's a little older than most college athletes. Uh-huh. And he said he's been open about studying and getting his schoolwork done and all the stresses that come with college life. When he, on Twitter, he says, I can't even describe the feeling. I ain't even gonna lie to you. I ain't gonna lie. A lot of hard work went into that mm, you know Monday through Friday 8 to 11 sometimes longer straight school work when you're not used to going to school and all that mm, ah man freshman year you don't think you can do it you always hear about your disabilities 
Right. Well, congratulations to J.R. Smith as Athlete of the Year. Yeah. And if as NCANT. Yeah. If you're curious about how that's been going for him, he chronicles it on his Twitter account. Okay. So you can see how this has been going. And I, I hope, like I said, after saying all that I said before, that he can be an inspiration to those who may have hated school and thought it wasn't for them and see that at 36, he went back. Mm-hmm. Doing great. Even doing a whole new sport. And he's relearning or he's learning how to do a better job at being a student. Right. And so it's never too late for you to go back if that's what you want to do. Yeah, I, me, I took a seven-year hiatus from undergrad to law school. Best decision of my life. Got life experience under my belt. Could apply some life experiences to cases. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You There's are. never a timetable. You make that timeline. So make sure to pursue your dreams. Yeah, he's doing tutoring, yep. and which is something a lot of us probably have shied away from. But he's like, oh, it's what he needs. And here he is with his 4.0. So. Right. Also, A&T has the number one long jumper in the, in the nation. That's because Maggie's just doing their thing. Uh, okay. We have Brandon Hicklin. So he finished the season as the fourth best outdoor long jumper in America. However, as of today, he is number one. He jumped the personal best. 26 feet, 10 inches on Friday during the first day of the Aggies Classic at A&T. He ranked 16 nationally, but jumped more than a foot better on Friday to leapfrog 15 spots. So congratulations to him and the Aggie Nation. Their track and field program is amazing. They do it. Because, I mean, remember the Olympics team mm-hmm. picked up a whole bunch of their runners as well. Right, and their indoor track team had a, I think they finished number two or three in the nation. Right. Not just against HBCUs, but all colleges. Right. Uh, yeah, their track team has been putting in work the past few years. Yo, shout out to him for jumping, what, 15 spots? Right. Like, literally, literally. jumping <laughs> 15 spots. I mean, that's how you that's put in how work. That's how you do it. Don't let anybody tell you just because you go into a HBCU or a school that's not a power one that you can't be recognized and be great at what you're doing. Right. Speaking of being recognized, ooh. Well, October 29th is going to be recognized as a hectic day in Houston because Prairie View just announced their homecoming date, which is on the 29th of October, which is the same day as Texas Southern. So Texas Southern and and Prairie View have announced that their homecoming 2022 will be on October 29th at their respective campuses. Mm-hmm. The after party scene should be interesting. And I'm using that word because that's the only way to describe it. It will be interesting. There's, I think, actually a couple of universities have picked the same date. Uh, I guess everybody's going to be at their respective campuses on October 29th. But it's going to be a, a busy day across the HBCU lines on that day for homecoming. All right. Now, Black Excellence. I got to highlight somebody real quick. So before we get to there, there's something I wanted to mention, pay our respects to Earth, Wind & Fire. Their saxophone player, Andrew Woolfolk, he passed away on Tuesday. And I think a lot of us grew up on the elements or listened to the elements. I just wanted to pay him his due respect for being a part of the soundtrack for a lot of people's lives, old and young. Yes, yes. Condolences to his family and friends and fans uh, that are mourning his death. Now, for Black Excellence, we want to highlight Tracy Mears. She has been named the valedictorian of her high school 38 years after she graduated. 
she was the first black valedictorian back in 1984 and the school changed the rules and she ended up being declared quote unquote top student along with a white peer. Now 38 years later the school has recognized her distinction and Springfield High School denied her the honor in 1984 but has deservingly given her the title of valedictorian. It was long overdue and she has a documentary actually called No Title for Tracy that she has out that was screened at Yale College of Law recently as well. I want to watch that because I mean that's kind of interesting of her story. It's interesting because she claims a white assistant principal actually tried to remove her file from the counselor's office and the school allegedly began to introduce the white student Mm -hmm. as the top of her class. Mm -hmm. So when the school they went ahead and changed the rules when they started calling them out on these situations. Her father, he reminds me of my dad, what he would say. Robert Blackwell, he explained that despite this distinction being bestowed upon her decades later, that Tracy flipped the situation and kept learning, kept achieving, and we didn't spend time commensurating about the situation. Good for her. She's better than me. I would have told them a few choice words. She may have. 38 years later, no, I ain't coming back from this. Y'all stole this from me. Boom, 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 boom. I'm wondering if that the fact that she's a legal scholar at Yale College of Law didn't help to change their mind. Well, yeah, they probably wanted her affiliation. Mm-hmm. But she's at the point where she has created her own. Right. And, you know, I think that goes along with what her daddy was saying was continue to move forward. We're not looking back. You're not using me. Me, that's, I probably would have had the wrong attitude, I'd say that much. I I think what she's doing is the right way. I I personally would be like, words I can't say on the radio or the podcast, nah, I'm not going along with this. But I am glad that she is able to take this, it didn't stop her from wanting to learn, and she is, you know, taking the situation and, um, you know, becoming the valedictorian. And I want to see the documentary uh, about her as well. And kudos to her for this, because she's being the bigger person. And is, is getting her shine. Right. Want to shout out Prairie View A&M University. They are partnered with the Deloitte Foundation Accounting Scholars Program as part of a commitment by Deloitte to help increase and diversify the accounting profession and CPAs. Through this program, students can apply to Prairie View A&M University or other Prairie View A&M University College of Business programs. And they're taking applications for the 2022-2023 school year. As a part of the program, the students will receive full tuition scholarships that will be awarded to three Masters in Accounting students. And they will cover your tuition, but will exclude books and living expenses. If you are one of the students that meet the criteria, that will be posted on our social media page. You can check it out. And there's a link to apply that is right below. We wish you the best of luck. And last but not least, I have to shout out Xavier University. I had some great friends that are products of the Xavier Pharmacy Program, but they are expanding. Xavier University has announced their plan to open a medical school. If you're not familiar, Xavier University is a private school in New Orleans, Louisiana. They consistently produce more African-American students and students of color who achieve medical degrees and PhDs in health sciences than any other higher education institution in the nation. In their announcement, they did not include a timeline of when this medical school is supposed to open and begin, but it's good that the conversation 
education has began because I do believe HBCUs do need more advanced degree programs. So this is a great opportunity to bring another medical program to an HBCU. Oh my God, that's the end of the show? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I know a buddy of mine has been trying to get a, a medical school at your alma mater. At PV? Mm-hmm. Did you know PV had the first law school, black mm-hmm. law school? Mm-hmm. That's what I want them to get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, TSU's first campus is actually on the state capitol grounds here in Austin. Mm-hmm. I think I remember where the spot is. They don't have anything marked it, but that's a whole nother conversation. You know who can tell that story? Who? Frank Jackson. Jackson? Oh, Mayor Frank Jackson. He knows where it is. Didn't we, walk on the grass at Prairie View either. We, we've had many conversations about that building. Anyway, yeah. Okay, we at um, the end. That's it. <laughs> all right. I know we could do this all day, but it was fun chatting with you and listeners. It was fun being in your ears, but we got to go. We'll be back next week. Yeah, we got to go join LeBron and Kevin Durant. Kyrie on the bench. Oh, I about to say, what are we doing when they on the couch? Well, on the couch <laughs> watching the playoffs. We're going to go join them. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. So yeah. all those Laker fans out there, they probably side-eyeing the radio right And now. Brooklyn fans, because Brooklyn was supposed to. Anyway. Okay. We're going to. All right. We're going to yeah. get out of here. Thank you for listening. You have listened to The Grapevine on KAZI 88.7 FM. If you're listening online, go ahead on your TuneIn app and type in The Grapevine Talk so you can listen to the full podcast. And you can engage with us throughout the week on social media. You can check in with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Grapevine Talk or on Twitter at The Grapevine ATX. Either one will be there. It's been a pleasure. This is your girl, Nikki, signing out. Till next week.